0: Steve Rodriguez here for TAGS podcast. Um, I'm very excited today with my guest. My guest today is Matthew Olszewski, otherwise known as the shirtless violinist. He is classically trained as a musician and found a way to set himself apart through the help of his boyfriend to brand himself through his music, recording several albums of well-known songs interpreted by the artist all while being shirtless, showing off his very well-chiseled body and handsome face. He has garnered a huge fan base, tons of press, in part due to his well-crafted produced music videos to accompany many of his songs where he collaborates with his boyfriend. His music is exquisite. He is turning on a whole new audience to the violin and classical music. He is definitely not hard on the eyes, and he is not stopping anytime soon. Matthew Olszewski, thanks for talking to me today on Tag's podcast. How are you?
1: I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me on, Steve. Absolutely.
0: I was excited when I learned about you that, anyway, I love a entrepreneurial spirit spirit in anybody but particularly when somebody has a gift like you as a violinist and I'm sure you've heard a million times gotten the question you know why shirtless but before we get into that and I won't make you horribly retell your story over and over but what um just briefly tell us a little bit about how you got into the violin as a kid
1: Well, that depends on who you ask. Um, I started at the age of three, so I have no recollection. As far as I am concerned, I was born with a violin in my hand, and practicing every day was as normal as eating breakfast. Um, That's so funny. The story, as I understand it, goes that we knew a family who was um, with kids. They were playing the violin, and so my parents saw that, got me started with lessons i may have seen it and asked um that part's a little unclear but either way i was uh, starting violin lessons uh, by the age of three and that became a regular part of every single day of my life um i had about a younger brother and sister they came along and they were playing the violin as well so it was a real family affair my mom was very involved with music lessons right from the start practicing with us every day because you can't leave a three-year-old to practice by themselves and my dad while non-musical was a big supporter of the arts and was uh, there to pay for music lessons and make sure that we uh had good violins he would even even in the evenings um sit down and clean our violins i remember this picture of him with a a little polish bottle and the cloth um making sure our violins looked good and were in good repair so um nice you know we almost i almost felt like a the von trapp family except for violins (laughs) nice nice and
0: i know you in particular went on to you know you just had a love of the instrument and the music, but you went on to play in symphonies and orchestras. Um, But what, what was it about that time period? And what was it like just to be, to play in symphonies? and, And did you enjoy that time or was there always sort of a longing, yearning to kind of break out on
1: your own? I absolutely loved it. There were some wonderful experiences playing with opera orchestras, ballet orchestras, chamber orchestras. I got to play with uh, quartets, um, all kinds of groups, and uh, I really value that. It was was something I would never want to trade. Uh, All that um, time spent in the classical world really helped me refine my craft and uh, and reach for uh, a really high level of, of excellence. But while I was doing all of that, I always wanted to do something more, something a little more creative, something something different. Um, I have always kind of thought outside the box and a little differently. And I remember starting to see videos coming up on YouTube by people like uh, the Piano Guys and being just amazed that here classical musicians or classically trained musicians were doing something different. They were covering different types of music, pop songs, soundtracks, and they were being really creative with the visuals. And ever since I saw my first one of those videos, I knew that's what I wanted to do someday. I didn't know how I was gonna do it, but I just knew I wanted to put together a little team to make music videos. Um, I put that on the back burner because I didn't have the ability or the resources to do that um, at all at that time.
0: Well, before we get into how you became the shirtless violinist, uh, you I watched a video on your YouTube channel, which I highly recommend everybody, because you can see all of Matthew's amazing, they're so well-produced and, and beautifully shot uh, music videos, but I saw a video about your coming out story, and recently we've been talking a little bit about coming out stories. Obviously, World Pride just occurred, and the 50th anniversary of Stonewall, and... I was touched by your, your video because you really open up about growing up, and I think you said you were homeschooled. You're the oldest of, you just said that, what, is three. it five? Three. And can you tell us a little bit about that and how the religion kind of came into it?
1: Yes. Yeah, that's a, a good question. So I was born into a very religious family, and um, my father had been a school teacher, and had decided by the time he had kids that he didn't want his kids to go to school. Um, he was kind of fed up with that whole system. So my parents decided homeschooling would be fun to try. And those first years were actually a really wonderful time of my life because we were allowed to explore and learn, uh, whatever we were interested in and, um, pursue our creative outlets. Violin was a big part of that. And we, my parents really did everything they could to, um, foster uh, creativity and exploring the world uh, and that was really beautiful and it uh, one benefit was that when you're homeschooled you can practice violin um, as part of your day you can fit that in as one of your subjects so eventually practicing up to two, three, four um, and at one point even five hours a day uh, it was easier to fit that in, well, and I, in uh,
0: I, I, I want to stop you there because in so many of us you know I grew up learning piano. I was actually a gymnast and, and went on with that. But I mean, I definitely took piano, um, like a lot of kids do and, you know, it comes and goes and you're told to practice. And of course you go to, you know, your teacher and it's like, you didn't practice all week and, and it becomes sort of like a nuisance or a chore. What was it about the violin for you in particular that you just gravitated to it and it wasn't a chore?
1: Well, there were times it was a chore. Uh, there were times I, you know, my parents had to say, "You have to practice." I remember there was a right. period where I was—I was a great procrastinator growing up, and so I would do anything I could to put it off as late in the day as possible. So there was a period where, um, if I was going to have lunch, I needed to have my uh, practice done. So that was just kind of the rule: like you can do it whenever you want in the morning, but you need <laughs> to get in your two hours. Uh, In the morning, so you know things like that helped. Um, You know, there were times I was, you know, more willing to practice, less willing, and I think that's a normal part for any child. Um, You know, I had parents that were really there to to make sure that I practiced and make sure that it got done. Um, And so I think over time that discipline kind of just became natural. I was just going to say
0: discipline is, is so important, right?
1: Yeah. 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 It's uh, so that, that kind of discipline that just putting in your time every day became a a, a more natural part of my life. Um, And I think that happens with everybody, no matter what, what it is you're trying to learn or accomplish at some point that, that discipline just uh, starts to feel, Uh, a little more natural and it's not as hard Um, not to say there aren't days you don't want to do it but um, it becomes a little more natural part of your life
0: so back to your coming out story when you there's a point in the video and people can certainly watch it on your youtube channel you talk about going away for i forget where you went away to but your mother while you're away reads your is it your journal
1: yeah, so about the time uh, I reached uh, the age of 12, uh, my family became more religious, and we became involved with a homeschooling program that was extremely religious. Um, I would call it a cult. It was very much an evangelical kind of cult of personality. There's this one, one man who led it, and it was really built around his personality and his, his influence. And that kind of took us in a different direction. Uh, not a good direction. and so one of the, you know one of their teachings was a homosexuality, um uh, as they called it, sodomy was a sin. it was it was an abomination. Um, and even talking about that uh, within our family was was really done. It was a, almost a hushed, a t- taboo thing. So I don't even remember much discussion going uh, on about it. So I grew up kind of aware of it, but but very much thinking in my head this is not who I am I'm not in this category of of horrible people you know like murderers and and sodomites and what whoever else was grouped in together Uh, so it really I, I think I really just put it away as I couldn't be any of those I wasn't any of those I was a good kid um but as I got older um it's funny. I look back now. I'm like, well, it was so obvious at 12. My favorite thing to look at was the men's underwear section of the <laughs> J.C. Penny catalog. Yep, me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that yet, was that was our early
1: porn, right? That was it was, and, and, and yet here I was, um, you know, not thinking that there could be any any chance that I was a gay. Um, so would was you say that this would,
0: would you say that this schooling that you went to, was it because recently we were just talking about it last week on the show about how books now on Amazon for conversion therapy have been removed by one man's quest to really remove them. Um, would you say it was like a form of conversion therapy?
1: They, they did advocate for that. Um, you know, So so by the time... So by the time I was, you know, getting a little older and I was starting to realize like, okay, so that I really, I really am gay and this is not going to work. And so I thought I would just somehow never come out um, until I went for a silent retreat and it was on the silent tr- retreat. Uh, I was there for one week. It was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life Um but the um, this was a Catholic silent retreat, um, so different vein of Christianity. Put on by this school? No, right. no, completely unrelated, actually. Okay. Okay. Um, it was just something you know my parents had heard about, and they thought, oh, this is a great thing for everybody to go on a silent retreat, like, you know, get away from technology and have some time of quiet and, um, you know, just Do you talk, like, wait,
0: I have to stop you because, you know, of course we're a show on talking and everything. Do you like not talk the entire time? Cause this wouldn't work for me. I don't think,
1: you know, I was voluntarily off, a, off my phone, off my computer. And the only time I talked was for one hour per day. Uh, where you would a spiritual director would come and kind of check in on you, see how you're doing, see how things were progressing, and you were encouraged to journal that during that time. So really, um, when you don't have anything to distract you, a lot of thoughts come out, and sure. they want you to really journal that down. So I was writing, you know, I f- it felt like a novel a day. And one of the really big things that was coming out was the fact um, that I was gay, and I had really suppressed this, but. I was really reckoning like this is this is what I am, this is who I am, and this really doesn't work. But I'm miserable living like this. So I wrote all of that down in this journal. Um I, I wanted to throw it out because I didn't want anybody to ever find it. But it was meant so much to me that I had taken, you know, seven days to really, really um expose uh so much about myself that I had just repressed and and refused to even think about so I brought that home um I hit it and yes as you referenced I was gone for a week actually performing a uh, violin uh with an orchestra and during that time my mom found it she read through it I was devastated um to know that 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 had happened but that of was the beginning of the end for my relationship um, it's, it's interesting
0: because, of course, I'm sure it was your parents who sent you on this silent retreat. You you did what was asked of you, right, what's you know on your mind, and you did exactly what you were told to do. And and then I can only imagine how horrifying and angering it might be to have somebody, much less your mom, read personal your personal journal on that and did you have a lot of anger towards her and the one thing i didn't get in the video or maybe i just skipped it do you have a relationship with her since then
1: um yeah good question so i I was very angry i was very upset i felt very violated that that what i felt was the most private uh, things that i'd ever written um had been read And that became the beginning of the end of my relationship with her. So I don't really have a relationship with her um, currently. Um, So I came back home and uh, she asked me to um, do a... So it was called a reparative therapy conference. Um,
0: Sounds horrible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. I know this is your life. but. You know, it it was, I remember walking up to the doors of the conference building, these big double doors and stopping because I had to like work up the courage to open the doors and step inside because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what I was in for. Uh, But I went in and um, was there for the whole weekend and I came away thinking how sad it was. Um, No one was repaired they were all very gay. Uh, but they were all so sad and i heard story after story of of men just having to deal with it just live with this no one had been cured no one was like i used to and now i'm fine it was really really sad they talked about walking around with this burden this 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 weight this this um oh, i don't even have the words it was just so sad so depressing um I, mean, I was one of there, so I drew lots of attention. So I was like, okay, no, this, this, people are still hitting on me. What are they hitting <laughs> on me at a reparative therapy conference for? Because they're gay. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I came home and I read one of the um, uh, main books on um, reparative therapy. And I remember thinking, like, none of this works. Like, even if all the f- things they're saying was true, if I had a, a, a over-involved mom, an under-involved dad, I wasn't good at sports, and I wasn't popular at school with my friends, even if that's all true, they're not ans- uh, offering me any answers. There's nothing like, you know, a couple of these are true for you, and you do this, and then you're cured.
0: Right, right. Wow, I'm curious, did you happen to see the film Boy Erased with Nicole Kidman?
1: No, but it is um, it's it's in my queue.
0: Got it's it. Maybe a little good. too close for, but it's um, tells that story. Obviously different, but I mean, let's jump to okay. You are playing in orchestras, and I, I understand uh, you had an idea about kind of setting yourself apart. Um, let's talk a little bit about becoming the shirtless violinist. And how your boyfriend was kind of the impetus for it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I met Paul, uh, my uh, actually fiance now. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, thank you, thank you. We're excited. Um, cool. Are you going to play your own music at your wedding?
0: <laughs> 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 you, you can't, you can't. But I, I mean, come on now. I would hire you for my wedding when I, if I get married. But yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: You know, I get asked to do a lot of weddings, and uh, before. I took off my shirt uh, with my brother and sister and I. We performed a lot. We played a lot of weddings. So um, I've certainly played a, a, a lot of weddings and um, enjoyed some of them and didn't enjoy s- the rest.
0: <laughs> I bet. I bet.
1: Um, so I met Paul. Uh, we had our first date. Things went really well. We set up a second date. I think it was the second or third, maybe the fourth date. But it was early on. He asked me, like, what are some of your dreams and aspirations? And I said, well, I've always wanted to make music videos. Um, You know, I've seen what the piano guys do, two cellos, creative people. YouTube is this amazing platform. You can just put stuff out there. And he said, well, one of my dreams was to be a film director, uh, but... At the age of 16, I was diagnosed with a uh, genetic eye disease, and I'm slowly losing my sight. So I mm. gave up on that dream and studied something else. So I said to him, "Okay, well, fuck that. Um, whoops, this is a podcast. I don't no, no, to- you
0: can say that. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, we say a lot worse." <laughs> okay, uh, I was so I said, "Screw that. Let's let's do this. Um, we have an iPhone. Uh, I have a laptop." I can record onto my laptop, we'll film, we have iMovie, um, we have everything we need, let's just pick a song and make a music video. So uh, that was the summer of the uh, real Olympics, and Katy Perry had released a song called Rise, which was uh, going to be for the um, Olympics, and we thought, this song is going to be huge, people will never forget Rise. Uh, So I opened up GaragePand on my little laptop and recorded myself a couple of times into it. And he and I planned a trip down to the Bay Area. Uh, We were up a little north of Seattle. So we decided on the drive, we would just stop at every cool spot and film me playing um, Rise once through. Wow.
0: And I know that area. I'm from the Bay Area, and it's just gorgeous. So uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So we did the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, we did Mount Shasta. Um, we uh, st- stopped in the, 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 the vineyards uh, as we were just outside of the Bay Area. It filmed around there. We did um, a crater lake. Uh, so we picked all these really cool spots. And then we got home at the end of our trip, drove back up. And Paul edited it all together in iMovie. And we put it out on YouTube. Um, I missed, I missed the important part about being shirtless. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's <laughs> okay. i was going to start here. Just before, before we were going to film at our first location. So we would left from Seattle. We were driving down and it was a crater lake. That was our first stop. And I'm standing by the edge of the kind of cliffs up by the lake. And Paul's holding his little iPhone. And he says to me, um, I think you should take your shirt off. Um, people click on it more. like you have to have something different. like there's so many violinists out there. you know take right. your shirt off you're 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 a fitness instructor, you look good. Just take your shirt off and let's film. Um I pretended to ignore him because <laughs> <laughs> I you know growing up so conservative, I did not take off my shirt. I would often swim in a shirt. Um, a t-shirt because modesty was one of the very important things in our little religious um, sect. So I can totally
0: relate. I grew up Catholic and now you can't keep my clothes on, but (laughs) totally relate. And I could see where you would be shy to want to go that route. I was
1: extremely shy um, and and just felt so self-conscious, which Paul didn't understand because he's like, you go to the gym, you look good. I've seen you without your shirt on. Like, just take it off, and I was like, so I was ignoring him, but he pressed. He was like, "Well, are you? Aren't you?" And then you hear this sigh on the camera, this big <laughs> sigh. And when he finally sighs, and I was like, "Okay," because um, I checked and there was no one else around, and that was the only conditions in which I take my shirt off. So. And
0: is this is this early on in your relationship where this is? You know, so obviously, you you don't want to let. This guy who you're really into down, obviously, right? He's,
1: that helped. You know, because yeah. now if he says something, I'm just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but then it was a different story. <laughs> yeah, then I was like, okay, you know, I can't just tell this guy, no, I really like him and we're doing this cool thing. So right. I, 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 I we're gave on this in. great road trip. <laughs> yeah. And so then from there on for continuity, I had to take my shirt off uh, every single time. But a lot of the other places were not as... As, as people free so when we were at mount shasta there were cars driving past and we have video footage of me jumping into the bushes every time a car goes past um because i just could not did not want anybody to see me and we have on camera I, i'm saying to paul should we move should we go somewhere else there's cars driving past he's like <laughs> like no no it's okay let's just stay here it's really cool shasta's right behind you and i'm like it's okay no one will ever know who i am no one will ever know who i am That's a good
0: mantra. Just
1: repeat that.
0: (laughs) Because director producer types will have you do crazy things, and because they know it's good, it's a great shot. But you, as the one in front of the camera, is like, wait a
1: minute. (laughs) Yeah. So that was a really interesting journey is kind of accepting my body, becoming comfortable with me, and um, kind of overcoming um, all that all that perception about, um, being modest and covering myself. Um, so it was, it really helped push that journey very quickly forward.
0: And, you know, obviously some people are going to say, really, I mean, I can't relate to your also work in the fitness industry, look at you, you're in the gym six days a week, but it doesn't, I understand what you're saying because, you have to be comfortable in your own skin, and and combined with that, I mean, obviously, you're now combining your traditionally classically trained, in you know, a violin now, and I'm just curious, did you? I know you've gotten a little bit of um, naysayers in the classical traditional world, um, but did you personally have any qualms about? playing say pop tracks famous songs and then did you have any issues with then playing it shirtless at all
1: you know i didn't because i only thought we were going to do one video in fact both of us (laughs) us thought we would only do one video so we made this one video we several albums later (laughs) and (laughs) and fans (laughs) Um, so we just put up the one video. We were like, this was fun. That was our road trip. We know we're not going to do a road trip that often. Um, we put it up and it got about 20,000 views. We were shocked. We, we, ex- I expected a couple hundred and pride, uh, pride.com wrote about it. And we were just thrilled. I mean, we were beside ourselves. So we thought that was fun. We got it. We got an article and a whole bunch of views. Let's do one more. So we came up with another idea and we did a Justin Bieber song and that started to repeat itself. We put that second video up again. We got written about um, by even more places. I think that one got about 30,000 views and we were like, wow, okay, this is so much fun. Let's do a third one. Um, I think right after the first. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. went up I got a phone call I have no idea how this company got my number but this lady calls up and she says is this the shirtless violinist and I thought to myself how does anybody even know that and I said yes and they were like we want you to live stream for us they had an LGBT friendly uh, live streaming app so they I did a bit of live streaming for them wow So, so, so anyway it just kind of took off so we repeated that over and over and over until we had about five or six videos. And then we were like, okay, now we have to get serious about this. Cause this is not easy to do. This is not easy to continue to repeat. Sure. So we, um, we, we'd started in September and by January we decided, okay, we have to get a little more serious. So we set up a Patreon site and then started, um, doing monthly music videos. And, and ever since, um, I guess two and a half years, um, Uh, this September will be three years, uh, from when we started.
0: And we'll Uh, talk more about your Patreon because, uh, page, uh, which is, we have one here at tags podcast. So I'm all about that, Yes, but, um, I'm just curious. It just popped into my head was working with Paul, your, your new boyfriend. Do you think, obviously you were, you know, falling in love with him, but do you think, um, did it cement it for you to be able to kind of collaborate with him and kind of make this your business model?
1: You know, I think it really forced us into some very um, difficult situations. And, you know, when you have to work, it's easy to fall in love with someone. It's easy to have romantic dinners and watch movies together and cuddle on the couch um, is it really <laughs> <laughs>
0: because i need some help here no i'm kidding but go ahead go ahead and tell me more <laughs>
1: uh, working together really really caused us to have to learn to compromise we have both have very strong creative opinions when it comes to anything um and we both like to fight for our opinions so it put us in the situations where we had to compromise we had to talk things through um learn to give in to each other uh You know, so it was really, it was really a beautiful thing. In fact, I said to him early on, I was like, I really enjoy the fact that we work together so well as creative collaborators. Um, Yeah, so it was, it was, yeah, it was not something I ever thought would happen. But here I was um, working closely with uh, the person I was falling in love with.
0: Well, and I think it's so cool because early on, he asked you, you know, what are your dreams? And you shared with him and it just so happened that he was embarking or wanting to embark on production or videography, I take it. Yes. And it's sort of, you know, not to overuse that word organic, but it did seem kind of organic. So yeah, kind of cool. You know, we've had somebody on our show before, Bare Naked Chef. Um, He's doing really well. Uh, He also... Um, his shtick, if you will, and I thats i mean that in a positive way, is, for people that don't know, is he's a chef, but he's naked. Uh, but he does wear an apron, and he's really sexy and hot. and But at the core, he has a love of his Italian cuisine, and he's a really great, excellent chef. And he's now really pushing forward, which is really great. It reminds me a little bit about... Um, you know, and I've always been an advocate for anybody that can break away in the vein that you are as well. Um, have you heard, I know you have heard, I'm sure, from the classical com, uh, the classical music community. What's been some of the, the negative things that you've heard and how have you just sort of like ignored it or, you know, moved
1: on? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there was a, a video... That I can't remember which one it was, but the Violin Channel shared it, and they're one of the biggest things uh, in the classical violin world, and I was thrilled, because I actually never intended any of what I did to be for the classical community. I grew up in the classical community. If you want to hear, hear the Beethoven Violin Concerto, go listen to Itzhak Proman or something. You know, there's 30 incredible recordings out there, and... You know, most people that really, really love classical music aren't interested in classical crossover as much. Um, They want their beautiful violin concertos played, you know, by the top people. So I really felt like I was doing something for a completely new audience. I was targeting people who had never given the violin a second glance had never really even taken the time to listen to a classical instrument. So my goal was to cover anything but classical music. Uh, I want to do pop, Broadway, soundtrack, um, game music, um, anything but classical. Because, you know, if I, I, if I want to listen to something. Um, you know, I want to make what I would listen to, and I would not listen to a classical crossover artist play. Um, Tchaikovsky violin concerto. I'd right. listen to Heifetz play that. So, um, so I really never intended for them to to even like it. Um, but the violin channel started sharing it, and I was thrilled because I was like, "Oh, okay." And, and I was just a little apprehensive because I was like. Uh, Classical musicians, I'm one of them and I love them dearly, but we are a highly critical group of of perfectionists. So I thought, they're not going to like it. I mean, there's so much wrong with it. I'm recording in in, in my living room underneath a quilt so that my little built-in microphone on my laptop won't pick up the action movie that's coming blaring through the walls of the neighbor's apartment. (laughs) And so I was like, you know, and we're just filming on iPhones. Nothing about this is super high quality because we can't, you know, we're just doing it all of ourselves. So I was a little apprehensive, but there was a lot of nice comments. Um, And then I think one of my fans tagged me and was like, go check this out. And I went and looked and like, oh, there were a lot of haters. People were just, just couldn't stand what I was doing. And I remember one of the comments that really stood out to me was like, you can't do this. Wow. Either be a model. be a violinist don't do both um so i actually wrote a blog post on my blog which i'm not even sure is still up i read it okay yeah it's still there (laughs) it's still there uh it was something like you know you you can't do this and how i did um and so after after a while the violin channel stopped sharing my stuff because there was they were getting so much hate and i completely understood because it was not the right audience um But it was a couple of months later that uh, one of my uh, uh, fans tagged me in another comment, and I went and looked. And they'd shared, I won't say who, but another violinist, um, some violinist doing a music video, and it was not very good. And um, someone said, what's the violin channel doing sharing this kind of stuff? At least that shirtless violinist, at least he could play. Oh, okay.
0: Um,
1: so I that was that was meant so much to me. I screenshotted that comment. I still yeah. have it because it was the most backhanded compliment um, and genuine. Because I was like, "Wow, okay." So even though they didn't like how I was doing it, um, at least I could play. And so that's the best compliment the classical community has ever given me.
0: I love it, and I so love what you're doing in general. I mean, pop—that's what pop art is. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, from you know everything stems often from a classical root or some sort of root, yeah. but you get the Keith Herrings of the world and the David Bowies and Madonnas of the world because they're it's an, it's what makes pop art amazing and relatable, and what it also does and have you found this it introduces your instrument and classical music, uh, to a whole new audience. I mean, I was, I can see playing, you know, when I do get that date, hopefully soon, (laughs) I want to play, have some of your music in the background. And I, uh, was downloading some of it today and have you, what's been some of the feedback of the introduction to people that may have not heard of classical or, you know, thought ugh, classical music. What's been some of the
1: response? You know, it's uh, there's one response that I've heard several times now that I really love, and that's people saying, I came for the abs and I stayed for the music.
0: Ah, I love it. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and, you know, I don't, that, that's, that's great. That's one of my goals is to introduce people to the violin uh, in a way that, you know, they wouldn't, they don't listen to the violin, but they enjoy the music videos and, after a while they get hooked to the music and and now they love the violin.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, I want to get into some of the songs and videos in particular, Um, but one of the things that I, I was listening to another interview today of an artist I like, and she was, she's not liking, she's well-known, but not like, you know, she wasn't a Whitney Houston type and she referenced Whitney Houston. That's why but she was talking about, background singers and how she did a lot of background singers for people like Madonna and so on and so forth. But she said at some point, you know, you have to invest in your, in you. And I think so many background singers, there's that incredible documentary. I forget so many feet from the stage. And I'm sure in your line of work, other violinists and people in orchestras really go on and maybe by their own choice, they're fine with it, but you know, they're never going to be known or a name. What was it about you that wanted to kind of just create a name for yourself and you couldn't just see yourself being in the orchestra nameless forever?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So as much as I loved playing in orchestras and still do to this day, um, the music was all picked for me. You know, the, the you don't have any say over what you play. The conductor and who is ever in charge of programming selects the entire year of music. And so, you may like some of it. You may hate a lot of it. Uh, it doesn't really matter. So that was one one part of it. Is I was playing some music I liked. I was playing a lot of music I didn't really like, and I didn't have any say over over that. Um, uh, I also wasn't a huge fan of orchestra schedules. You, you work, uh, a lot of nights and weekends. <laughs> so,
0: sure. um,
1: you know, I wanted uh, to be able to have a little more flexibility with my schedule uh, and work a little more of a normal schedule and, um, being the shirtless my violinist means, um, you know, I get to set my schedule a little more, although now I end up working uh, a lot more than I did when I was uh, playing an orchestra. Cause the, you know, this, this is this is so, still so relatively young and new that it's a, uh, it's a seven, seven days a week job.
0: And I don't know if you would agree with me, but um, you know, being gay or being different um, sometimes that, you know, earlier on can be painful, obviously, You, you're growing up, and so many people can relate to that. But don't you think, in some ways, that can sometimes, when you finally overcome that, the ridicule or whatever it is coming out, that you kind of like, all right, all right, now I'm over that hump, and now I need to create or I need to do something. Did it fuel a little bit of your creative individual process? Do you think?
1: You know, I think that's, that's part of just all of life as, as being a gay man. Um, by the time you finally come out and you reckon with all the baggage from the past, there is this sense of urgency, I think, or the sense of making up for lost time because you, you didn't grow up like the, uh, hetero kids, you, you know, a lot of stuff didn't happen or it was delayed. So, um, Yeah, you know, I think I've 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 attacked this with a a passion, um, thinking like, oh, I wish I'd gotten started, you know, a lot a lot sooner on this. Um, So yeah, you know, but I think that applies to um, a lot of life.
0: Right, right, definitely, Um, definitely have to talk about some of the actual music. One of my favorite songs was uh, Despacito. Yes, you do. do I love your version of that. Um, you do an amazing version of Sia's chandelier, oh, yeah, that I just love, and so when you're doing some songs like that, um, and I was also going to talk about um hallelujah. Mm. Um, is that Leonard Cohen? Yes, let's talk about that in a second, but some of these songs do you how do you approach some of these songs uh, making the violin? the is you know the lead essentially and do you do, do you have fun in do, um I don't know what I'm trying to say in the process on what's the word I'm looking for the how you arrange arrangements, arrangements yeah. yeah sorry yeah. that's yeah talk about the arrangement and <laughs> some of these songs
1: no <laughs> oh, you know it's different for every song um I am not trained as an arranger i'm just self-taught so sometimes i love the process sometimes it goes so well sometimes it is a headache um (laughs) i've arranged the violin parts for everything i do you know a lot of it is just working with the vocals and then trying to make it a little more as i say violinistic so it really fits the violin a little better because a lot of music that works especially pop music that works for vocals doesn't work as well um uh, for violin, if you play it exactly as it was sung, so you have to adapt it a little. Um, I, I say smooth it out a little, so it so it sounds really beautiful on the violin. Um, but each one is different, you know. Um, chandelier was um, not hard to do. I, I, that recording has several of me on it. Um, I recorded myself a couple of times. Uh, taking the lead and then a couple of extra parts that kind of come to me as I'm, I'm either writing it or or recording it. Um, some of those songs, I just recorded the lead and then I would kind of hear extra parts in my head or I'd be like, oh, I should add this. And then sometimes like the, um, for example, the Game of Thrones medley, I sit down in front of notation software and write out all, all five or six parts oh. um, and then go in and record them. Uh Despacito was, is one of those pop songs that I loved. And then I noticed that everybody was covering it. And so <laughs> I went back and listened to it again. I was like, this is really good. This is so much fun to play. And we had the idea of going into the studio and getting a live one-take um, recording. So uh, that recording is a single-take uh, Wow. You know, we also filmed it so we set up a camera on a tripod there's a youtube video on my channel of me just playing straight through so that was really fun to try it added a lot of adrenaline which i love i love performing live um because it's you know a unique and special experience so that was a really fun recording to make it was fun to make that little youtube video in the studio and uh, put that up there
0: Very cool. Um, Okay, so we have to talk about Hallelujah. um, Leonard Cohen?
1: Cohen, yeah.
0: Cohen. Um, But you feature, is it a foursome called The Sound Four? Yes. So what was that like? Because now you're getting braver and you're working with the quartet now. and, um, And really featuring the violin as the lead as well as yourself. But um, talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So growing up classically trained, uh, I've spent most of my life playing with other musicians. Um, I've, you know, vocalists, almost every single instrument. So it was something I really wanted to do was, was bring in uh, vocalists, other musicians, uh, different instruments and start collaborating more. So I contacted a friend of mine and I said, I want to do hallelujah. I would love to bring in um, a little vocal quartet or even a choir. And so he said, well, you know, I, I know these these four kids who have a little group, I talk to them. So I met with them. We rehearsed. And then, um, you know, the violin took the lead and then they filled in the other parts. And that was a lot of fun to do. Um,
0: Very and, cool. And that yeah. was a music video. yes.
1: Yeah, that's also a music video that was filmed in a church, beautiful church. Um, yeah, you know, I think find I read somewhere you said
0: you were shirtless um, and growing up in the church. I think even I'm sort of, you know, I'm spiritual, but I'm not sure I could go shirtless in the church. But then I love Madonna and maybe she would give me inspiration. You had to do shoot this video shirtless in the church. And how what was that like?
1: Well, one of my mottos is it 's easier to ask forgiveness than permission, so <laughs> Confession. when I, when, I, when I called up the church and asked if a violinist and vocal quartet could come and play, I think they pictured a wholesome you know classical violinist probably wearing a tux and a a vocal quartet uh, um, they didn 't realize that the violinist would have his shirt off. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, we got the music video filmed. I'm not sure we'd ever be allowed back. Um, I'm not going Hey, listen, ask.
0: these days in the church, they, they can't talk. So <laughs> what's going on in the church, I think you just simply being shirtless is no comparison to what's going on. Um, I do want to talk about your music videos, though, real quick. We're running out of time. But uh, um, there's so many great ones on your YouTube channel, um, but there's one in particular that you're... I'm assuming your boyfriend shoots most
1: of the videos and you collaborate on them? Uh, he he filmed the first few, and then because of his eyesight, because he's he's legally blind, okay. uh, we quickly realized we needed to find someone else to shoot. But he's continued to direct and edit every single music video.
0: Awesome. Um, one of them, he stars in it with you, and it's an, an interpretation of Beauty and the Beast. Um, talk a little bit about that and how – you guys work together as the two leads in, and it's a really beautiful, I love it. Um, I'll let people watch it to see, but, and we'll post it too, but talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So uh, the beauty and the beast live action film was coming out and we wanted to kind of ride that little um, wave of uh, popularity. So um, I decided to record till as old as time, such a beautiful song. And we, Wanted to do a music video. We weren't sure what we would do at first, but as we played with it, we thought, "Let's add a little narrative, um, mm-hmm. and let's 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 make it a gay love story. Um, let's take Beauty and the Beast and add our own special twist onto it." Paul was not going to be in the music video at first. Um, we were on a hunt for a Disney drag queen who could do Belle. Um, <laughs> that fell through. And so, kind of out of desperation because we had n- no one, uh, Paul said, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I've never done drag before, but I'll do it. So, we quickly wow, threw together an outfit. Um, the dress actually doesn't fit him at all, but we hide that. Uh, we had a friend come in and do the makeup. And um, because he was, th- that was back when he was filming. And so, we had to ask a friend to film, and she had never operated. Um, camera before or the type of camera we had so so we had
0: it was all she really probably said if you're gonna do drag I can at least try and do this <laughs> yeah yeah
1: um so we threw that one together uh Paul he does a really great job um he you know he you'll have to watch the video to see, see yes. what yes
0: yes um, I will post that one for sure it's yeah it's really beautiful um, there's before we let you go, there was one video I was watching. Interestingly, I had this thought, and it's bring it, bring him home. Yes. And I was laughing to my, not laughing, but I was checking it out because if you stop it around the twenty-four second part, you're actually not shirtless in this opening scene. Yeah. But as the camera's going off, I was like, "Wow, you, nice package there." <laughs> <laughs> and i had to just i was like okay i just if you, audience i'm just saying at the 24 mark you got to watch this video it's it's a good one sorry <laughs> i didn't <laughs> you know um, yeah then
1: that's the uh, that's the second one we actually paul and i did a perfect uh bring them home is is the sequel and we are working on um finishing up that little little, little series with the the, the third one
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. So I could talk to you forever, but people should go to the shirtlessviolinist.com, correct? Yes. And one of the things on there, um, you can go onto your Patreon page because obviously you need, you know, it costs money to. Audience, when you guys, when you see these videos, they are well produced. I mean, really, and you look amazing in them. And the music's exquisite, but, you know, you want to keep this going, correct, and produce more music. So um, talk just a little bit about Patreon and what some of the tiers that um, people could opt in for
1: yeah so so after doing a couple of ourselves um we, we i think we did four and by the fifth one we were badly in debt because we were spending more and more wanting these to look better and better so we learned about patreon and we we're like oh, we have to do this and we discovered that we had this family from around the world of people that wanted to help us make music videos so all, every video since um well january of two years ago um has been crowdfunded by people from around the world, Japan, Germany, Italy, the UK, Australia, Canada, United States. Um, and these people every month pledge a certain amount. Um, we have different reward tiers for those people, everything from, um, you know, you can join my, um, extra sexy private Instagram. Um, I'll send you, I'll send you a postcard or a card in the mail. I can send prints out, um, you know, some fun, Fun, sexier photos that I've had taken. Uh, We even it goes all the way up to I do meal training and um, um, workout with some people who want to reach their fitness goals. And uh, there's even a a tier where you can come out and be on set for a music video. And and some of those sets get pretty um, sexy, fun. Yeah, we did one yesterday that was really. It, it was fun it was really and i
0: understand you watch. could even be a thruple with you and paul <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more about that i uh we have to go um but um i'm hoping you'll just do a, a short after show with me after this for my patreon page yes yeah i would love to okay so you mean yeah. Yeah, as much as i love talking to i can talk to matthew all day but check out our after show on patreon.com forward slash talk about gay sex but matthew um people should go to shirtlessviolinist.com, correct and they can get all there's so much cool uh links uh, to all your music which is available on itunes spotify and you've got some great uh t-shirts and hats and all that kind of stuff correct
1: Yes, yes. All my merch is at shirtlessviolinist.com. You can stream or download my music on every platform that there is out there. And then you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Pinterest, almost every social media platform. I'm there.
0: I love it. Thank you so much, Matthew. And you're, you're definitely an inspiration and, and I keep doing your thing.
1: Oh, thank you. It's been an honor to be on the show with you. Awesome. Thank you.